0: Welcome back. I'm Gary Parr.
1: And I'm Cindy Baldwin.
0: And you're listening to the midweek version of the Fiber Talk, the twice-weekly podcast for the needlework artists. All right. Oh, we're
1: artists this week.
0: Yeah, let's be artists. Let's, you know, let's go highbrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey. uh, all right, this is the podcast week, Wednesday ch- chat, so no stitch hour tonight. We'll be back next week with a stitch hour. Um If you missed last Sunday's show with Nicola Jarvis, be sure and go back and listen to that. I say it every week, though, don't I? Yes, you do. Yeah.
1: But I don't think a reminder hurts.
0: Probably not. Um, Well, anyway, go listen to her. It was really good.
1: good. It was a good show.
0: And buy her book. Yes. Yes. Life and Seasons. Now, you can get that, uh, like Kim at Sassy Jacks can get it for you, but uh, yeah, your favorite needlework store should be able to get it. And you can get it from Inspirations, because she did the book with them. But I think the cool thing is you can get the kits from Inspirations or from Nicola Jarvis. So if Europe or the U.S. is a better option to come from England in terms of shipping, you can get them directly from Nicola if – uh Australia is your better option. You can get them from Inspirations. So that was a nice benefit for this one. Mm-hmm. Yep. So do check that out. Sunday's guest. I am so excited to have this one, Deb Rucker from Stitches of Heritage. We're going to uh kick off, if you will. Well, we're not going to do anything else uh during the month, but we're going to start Black History Month uh talking to Deb Rucker about African American black Uh, needlework. Oh, she is interesting. Oh, she is wonderful. She is wonderful. I've had two, well, the one we recorded and then an hour and a half conversation where we were uh, just doing some background work. Um, What a tremendous lady, incredible knowledge about uh, black history in general, but also how needlework has played a role uh, along the way and what uh, you know how it's playing a role today and it's just uh I it was a conversation that was so eye-opening and so educational and she's just she's just one of those people who can just explain it and tell you the facts and you know and just tell the stories uh straight up you know you don't get any uh Extra opinion type things, or you know, any you know, like she's not mad about it. You know, <laughs> this isn't going to come out right, but you know, she just she just tells it so you can learn from it. And oh, I, nice. I guess you know that's the I just valued that so much. I just learned, mm-hmm. and I, I tell you one thing that knocked me over when we were recording is you know I mean we all grow up and we learn how bad slavery was and how those people were treated. You know how the slaves were treated. And, you know, just ripped out of their homes in Africa and hauled across the ocean in nasty ships, you know, just. Right, right. Yeah, just awful. And see, so you learn that and you go, wow, that's, yeah, yeah, that was really terrible. I'm glad that we don't have that anymore. Mm-hmm. But what really hit me was she talked about the first landing of slaves in America. Uh-huh and how the uh people the 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 white people on the ship needed supplies so here's here's some people here's humans that we've ripped out of their homes and and treated like trash all the way across the ocean i need a bag of flour and a box of bullets here take a couple people
1: Ugh.
0: you know that to me that you know selling and trading slaves is awful but when when you're no you know, you're treated as no better than supplies. Right. Uh, I just, oh, that was just—it was almost sickening. Um, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it was, it still is. But yeah. that's, you know, that's the one in terms of, of how bad that was. That really hit me when she, she just not just casually said, "Yeah, they they needed supplies, so they traded some humans for them.
1: Well, they're a property.
0: Yeah, and they're just nothing. It's just, yeah. oh." oh just awful so anyway it, it wasn't all awful it was okay. it was the whole this show was very positive and very educational and i am i i'm am so appreciative of deb for making the time twice to talk to me and uh, i hope we can have her back again and just explore more but um her experiences her mother's experiences um and then uh, the, the whole needlework thing is just uh yeah i really just i'm excited to have people listen to this show i really think it's
1: how did you uh, find her
0: um i think i i think i just i i found her stitches of heritage i was on instagram and i followed her and i think yeah you know, i i hope if 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 someone put me on to her i apologize but i'm pretty sure i just took a shot you know, I just, uh, uh, read her posts and I think I just took a shot and said, Hey, would you be interested in this? And she said, yes. And, um, Great. so, you know, we went for it and, um, uh, you know, and I, I, I will say I was nervous recording it because I was afraid the entire time I'd say something wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, at the end, she's. I, I didn't. Apparently, I didn't. I was. <laughs> I was. I was able to get through it. You know how you just, you know, you get into areas like well, and that's one of them where you, you just never know if you phrase it wrong and then it's offensive. But that right. was what was so wonderful about her, is is she she was not. If I did say something, she wasn't offended. Um, okay. Oh, uh, and so there, we're, we were able to have a an educational conversation. I just. I'm just so glad to have that recording and be able to share it, and I think people are going to really learn and enjoy it. So. um,
1: Oh, that's fantastic.
0: Yeah, because it—I mean, it's a—it's an important part of needlework. uh, uh, Oh yeah. In in a lot of ways. So, um, Mm -hmm. yep. So that's Sunday. Uh, Really excited to have that. That's going to be a good one. So, um, oh, I joined. I rejoined A and G. Only as a means to join Cyberpointers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we finally sucked you in.
0: <laughs> yep. I I started out to to join A&G A and G as a new member, and my my account was still there. I just had to redo yeah. it. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. Um,
0: I would have thought they'd wipe me out, but uh, so anyway, uh, uh, that was just a means to get to Cyberpointers. So now I'm a member of Cyberpointers, and. Uh, um, which which that I'm excited about that cuz you guys uh, what you guys are doing uh, and then it was the Fibonacci Fibonacci swirls project that's coming up in March right mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. that uh I mean that hooked me I got to do that project
1: <laughs> so I I we owe that all to our education VP uh the people that you know and our VP right now for education is Gretchen Janisak, and she and and the people before her have done a great job of connecting with instructors, you know, for workshops and and for projects for monthly pro- uh, meeting projects, uh, finding things like Fibonacci swirls and getting somebody in the chapter to to lead us through it. Uh, they've just done a fantastic job
0: yeah well I, th- I and I think that's why I felt compelled driven whatever mm-hmm. to rejoin a and g because of what you guys do uh talking to you and and the sponsorships you guys have done for fiber talk and and just getting exposed to cyber pointers that program now uh the last couple of years that I've paid any attention to it is really rock solid. I mean, you guys, it's a steady stream of very good stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, and you know, the, the benefit from my perspective of, I don't have to go to a monthly meeting to do it. Right. Um, I, that's huge for me Mm -hmm. to go to monthly meetings is just, (laughs) just doesn't fit the program, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, so I'm excited about it. Uh, actually, uh, Kim's putting together the threads in the in the canvas for me for Fibonacci swirls, so that'll be on its way. Uh,
1: oh, okay. What did you what – are, what are you going to – what colors are you going to do? That uh,
0: – the blueberry one, whatever that was. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. So she's putting that together. Yep. Good. Um, yeah. And then Robin uh, sent me – Robin um, – uh, sent me a, a picture of what she's doing her colors and yeah yeah those are pretty impressive uh-huh. so yep yeah no so yeah. I'm excited about that uh,
1: I I picked mine out um, well I did a kind of floss toss I just kind of went dug through my inventory and picked out threads that I thought would work I'll have to narrow it down but I'm going to use um, uh, watercolors blue spruce. Which is kind of a ranges from a dark teal green to gray. Some of some of the skeins I've had have had some lavender in them, but this one doesn't look like it really does. And then I've got a uh, Valdani thread that has some of the same teal green, and it does have some pale lavender in it. So I'm going to pull in some lavenders, and I think I'm going to use. Probably silver hmm. or the Fibonacci uh-huh. and I'm going to do it on gray canvas.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: So I'll, I'll, I'll send you a picture of my floss toss.
0: Yes, please do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, the other thing. I, you look at the pictures and it looks like a big 12 by 12 piece and it's not, it's just a little, oh, yeah. Um, little one. So, um, mm-hmm. so anyway,
1: yeah, and by, uh, let's see,
0: I've had the, yeah, was it six or eight? by eight
1: uh finish size size is six by six yeah so the canvas is ten by ten
0: yeah so i mean very
1: very doable project
0: yeah i didn't join cyber pointers just to do one project but (laughs) (laughs) uh, it's just i I just think you guys are just doing a a bang up job all the way around um so worth it for me to join Uh, um so yay um and then it got me thinking, because, I mean, I, you know, I I don't hide the fact that painted canvas just doesn't do much for me, though that's mm-hmm. where I learned needlepoint was with painted canvas. Uh, it's counted canvas that works for me. That's what I enjoy. Yet it, you know, painted canvas just is, is kind of the more dominant form, is it? I mean, it seems to me it certainly... I mean, you have shops that do nothing but painted canvas. And it seems to me that that counted canvas kind of has a second tier position. Do you get that reading?
1: Yeah, but I think it depends on where you are. The counted canvas stores, I mean, the uh, painted canvas stores tend to be in large cities where people have more money to spend on canvases and threads and that sort of thing. Uh, in our area, you know, we don't, well, we don't have any stores close by step one, (laughs) step one. Right. But even when we did have a shop in Cedar Rapids, she didn't carry a lot of painted canvases and our shop in Waverly doesn't carry many painted canvases at all. She has a few, but not a lot. Uh, there it is more counted canvas just because I think because it's more cost effective. Yeah. And I, and I, I I do enjoy some painted canvas projects. I've got a whole lot of them um, and a couple, maybe three or four in progress, but I like counted canvas better too. Yeah, I I like the geometry of it, and you know, it's the same stitches, really.
0: Right, right.
1: In a lot of ways, you know, you're just using using them as filling stitches on painted canvas rather than, uh, sort of the geometric pattern. Right. Yeah. Well, from a store perspective,
0: unless you can move a lot of them, painted canvas is. Is an inventory heavy way to do business because to have mm-hmm. a good enough selection, you have to lay out a lot of cash. Oh yeah, Uh, and have the display space. So, right. So yeah, so you got to well, be able. Well, and to not move just
1: them. for the canvases, but for the threads, yeah, because yeah. the the well, and the, I mean, the same threads can be used for counted canvas. Right. And I do spend. I mean, when when we go to a a store. Uh, we haven't been down to St. Louis for a long time, but we get over to um, a Stitcher's garden in Naperville once a year or so. And that's primary, primarily a painted canvas store. But I go out of there with way more thread <laughs> and canvas. Yeah. Well, but yeah, that's but, just
0: it from a store perspective. If if you're going to handle needlepoint, you have to have the threads and mm-hmm. if you're going to have of canvas, you just need rolls of, of blank canvas. Right. But if you're going to do painted canvas, you have to have those same threads. Mm-hmm. But then you got to have all the space and the ability to carry the inventory for mm-hmm. all the painted pieces. Yeah. And uh, so, you, therefore, you need to be able to move them. You need to know you can move canvases. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and you know, of course, these days, well, I can order it for you is usually not what people want to hear.
1: Um, right, because they want to take it home right then and start stitching on right, it. Right,
0: right. Yeah. So, yeah, so you, you have to, I mean, like we have two painted canvas stores here in St. Louis. And um, they, I mean, every time I've been in, there's plenty of people in there buying them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Well, Sign of the Arrow is my favorite was the last time i went in and just bought a yard of 18 count canvas just blank canvas and uh uh, you know what are you going to do with this i don't know i'm just going to have it because i (laughs) want to have canvas so if i decide to do something i have canvas and Uh uh, you know but but that's not their business their business is you take the the painted canvas and then they'll help you select threads and if you need help with stitches they'll help you with that i mean that's their format and right um But it's just, I just enjoy counted canvas so much, and why it's been on my mind is uh, when we were talking uh, the other day about Fibonacci swirls, and I thought, you know, I've been doing samplers here for weeks and months on end, and I have these uh, charted, these counted canvas pieces. I'm going to set the cross-stitch aside, and I hauled out uh, Gay Ann Rogers' Lady Mary geometric. Oh, yeah. And I just started... Working on that, I thought you know, and, and you know, it was kind of like a rekindling of, oh yeah, this is fun. I love this. Uh-huh. And uh, so, I that's what I've been working on. I just set the the cross stitch aside for a little bit while I enjoy just making big stitches and covering ground. I, the The funny thing was, when I started stitching, I'm so used to one strand of silk on forty count, I, I felt like I was stitching with a rope. <laughs> you know, just
1: and a post. Yeah, because I I, I've I've been kind of so I I am doing the WIPCO again this year and I have two cross stitch projects and two needlepoint projects for each of my squares. So the cross stitch projects are the pumpkins. And I've been. So I've been switching back and forth between the cross-stitch and the needle point, mm-hmm. and and just like you, changing the threads and changing the needle. And I really noticed the needle when I w- went from the first cross-stitch project, which I think was on, I don't know, 36-count uh, linen or something like that. Yeah. And I was using, you know, a, maybe a 24 needle, and then all of a sudden I went to – I picked up the size 20 needle which was way too big didn't really need a needle that big but it felt like it was you know like i had a post
0: right yeah oh same here yeah Yeah. because i've been stitching with a a size 28 needle for months Uh uh-huh and yeah what's this 22 holy smokes (laughs) wrap my fist around it first (laughs) yeah whole lot easier to thread the thread though you know, that's, uh, that's pretty automatic. Right. Right. Yeah. But it it just got me thinking about, uh, why we don't see more counted canvas. And, you know, I wondered, is it, is it overshadowed by the painted canvas? Is that, you know, kind of the, uh, preferred needle point? I, I don't know why that is. Um, and then, I thought well maybe it's because the stitches are intimidating but as you said it's pretty much you know people use the same stitches whether it's painted or counted mm-hmm. um and with counted canvas you get all the instructions you know any good designer shows you exactly how to do the stitch and with a painted canvas uh, unless you have a, a set of stitch books mm-hmm. uh, you don't you don't get up up one down two type instructions you just get a canvas and some threads here go have fun so right um, right yeah
1: you know i i don't know i i it it feels like we don't have as many new counted canvas designers but that could be because we don't have a store here Mm -hmm. that is you know keeping up with new designers yeah Um, you know, so I, I just don't know. Um, the A and G magazine needle pointers might be a a well an A and G itself is maybe a good place to kind of find new counted canvas designers.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, people who are teaching at seminar. Yeah. Uh, the Stitch of the Month. Right. You now, those, those designers. But uh, I just went back through most of the Stitch of the Month projects, and I didn't really see any designers that I wasn't familiar with.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So I, I don't know what's happening. I don't know if it's because the number of needlework stores is diminishing and so people aren't exposed to the counted canvas and don't decide to become designers for it or i just don't know uh what and and maybe you need to talk to you know debbie or or um oh i just heard uh thredles Or, you know, somebody like that to see if they have any sense of what's going on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: Yeah, I I wonder about it, too.
0: Because the County Canvas people, I mean, Debbie uh, hasn't released a retail version of anything in a long time because she's teaching them all. Right. Uh, She's teaching, I mean, that's, her business has become teaching classes online Mm -hmm. and then at seminars Right. And so all her new work, that's how you get it is you take a class. And mm-hmm. um, I'm sure for her and I'm sure for, you know, anyone else who has that model, it's uh, more profitable, less hassle. Because um, mm-hmm. you're not having to fill orders for stores at the drop of a hat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you keep, you know, all the money comes to you as opposed to selling mm-hmm. wholesale or and then... Uh, taking that hit. So, you know, you, you can't blame them. And, you know, the pandemic has taught us to, to do classes Mm -hmm. online. And so they now have a channel for that. Uh,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So, you know, more power to them. That's great.
1: Um, Yeah. And I haven't really looked. So I know there's a lot of new cross stitch designers on Etsy. And I think I have one or two needlepoint designers that I follow on Etsy. But I haven't really searched Etsy to see if there's any new needlepoint designers there.
0: Yeah, I don't. That,
1: uh, that might be another yeah way to find new people and new designs. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's just a, it's another aspect of needlework that is changing. Mm-hmm. And uh, hard to tell where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yep. I don't know. I don't know, but uh, uh, painted canvas. I mean, I, from what I can tell, is not slacked off. Any people are still doing it and doing it uh, consistently. So, oh yeah, um, yeah, yep.
1: I mean, and you see new painted canvas designers popping up all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. Although a lot of the stuff that I'm seeing is stuff that. You know, I kind of think, well, why do you need a painted canvas for that?
0: <laughs> yeah, the word ones are the ones I struggle with. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I don't,
0: all I need is an alphabet for that.
1: Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, you know, if if you're going to do that, then then you have to find an alphabet and you have to kind of lay it out right. And so I I get the idea of the painted canvas. You can just sit right down and start stitching it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's very approachable in terms of, uh, only needing a couple of stitches. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's benefits for that. And someone told me once that the younger people like those word canvases more, uh, than, you know, than the classic bucket of flowers, if you will. (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, it's it'll just be interesting how it plays out, and that you know and the the thing with painted canvas. Someone who really knows what they're doing with painted canvas, what they can do. Oh,
1: no oh, doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: there's few things that can match that. It's, yeah. Yeah.
1: Definitely.
0: Yeah. Just make something completely come to life. Um, hmm. Because I, I remember a long time ago, someone said, I don't get painted canvas. It seems like the work has already been done, you know, by painting the design. Mm-hmm. And you can make that argument till you see someone who really knows what they're doing, you know, knows what threads and stitches to make things come to the foreground and stay in the background. Right. And then, no, no, that, no, the art wasn't done on the painting of the canvas. The art is done with the threads. And, uh, right, yeah.
1: So you you should go back and look at some of the the previous um issues for the last I don't know couple years at least. Um the not the current editor but the past editor started a a column that is two different two painted two different people stitching the same painted canvas. Oh. And then she highlights the differences between, you know, in in the article about, you know, how one person did, you know, stitched one area to emphasize it and how the other person stitched it in a different way. And it's really interesting to see how different people interpret different painted canvases. Mm -hmm. And And the one one in the current issue, which. You've just joined, so you should get, but I just got it last week that they had a printer issue and so it, it came out late. Um, and and so it's still the same person doing the article. She's not the it's Maureen Joffrey. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. She um she still writes the article, even though she's not the editor anymore. But she had uh bought some small round canvases of a Scotty dog or some kind of a dog like that because it looked like her dog Mm -hmm. and I think she bought I think she said she bought four of them and had intended to do all four and then kind of came to her (laughs) (laughs) senses, and so got three people to do Uh, three of them. Obviously she's going to stitch one herself, but you know, they're just little round canvas. So it, it was, and, and so it was, uh, the dog has like a Santa hat on it. And so she talked about how, you know, people uh, did the shading on the hat and the, the um, fur on the hat and then how they did the, uh, fur on the dog differently, and the dog's nose. I mean, it's a little canvas, but there was a lot there to to look at the differences on. Yeah, and you can see all the all of the uh, they they've digitized all of the past issues. I think they have them all on there, so you can go on the website and look at past issues. You know, for right projects or yeah. to to look at these articles. It I it's something that uh I think was a really good thing for a start and uh it's really interesting to see how different people interpret different canvases.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well I'll check those out, yeah, because those comparison things are always instructive. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah and, and they you know it's you might know, look at a at one of them and say, Oh, I wouldn't have done it that way. You know, but <laughs> But it's still, you know, they're, they're effective and, and um, it, if you do want to do painted canvas, it's a way for you to learn about how different people approach the canvases in different ways.
0: Yeah. 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 No, it's, um, well, that's good to know that those are there. I'll go uh, study those Mm because, well, I mean, you learn, For me, that's the thing about needlepoint or needlework in general is you could go do that even if you never do needlepoint and you'll learn something that you can apply to your own uh, uh, technique, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, Different use of colors or whatever. Yep. Yep. All right. I'll put that on the list. Things to do.
1: In your spare time.
0: Yep. Yep. That'll be uh, right on that list. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> no, actually, I'll get to those. I, I I really enjoy that kind of stuff to see what comes out of different people's heads. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, always instructive. Yeah, yeah. I got my uh, notebook out. I got a Good. notebook. Yeah. Well, it's it's a journal book. I have. Yeah. I get a bunch of those when I go to conferences. They always seem to think you need a journal book when most most of us sit there and just type it into our, our iPads or or uh-huh. whatever. But uh, so we get very nice journal books and I had some of them somewhere and hauled one out. And um, yeah, so I'm going to start keeping track because already I've uh, realized the importance of of what you do with your notebook for each of your projects. I I can see that. So, um, yep, going to start keeping track. It's not going to be elaborate, but uh, I need to make notes. And so to put them all in in one little book is going to be... Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, I think that's an excellent idea you have.
1: So Um, I did get tired of flipping through all the pages trying to find something. So I went through the whole notebook and numbered the pages. And then I made a table of contents. Oh, there we go. And I just (laughs) printed that and stuck... Because that little notebook has... 130 pages in it or something, if you consider both sides. Uh-huh. And, well, you saw the yeah, all tabs the tabs I have on there. <laughs> yep. So I just, I went through and I numbered everything. And then I, I just opened up a Word document and made a table. And I have um, the, the pages. I did not include the pages where I finished the project because I don't care about those anymore. Right. I'm not, I'm not looking for them, but it did put down the open pages so that when I have a new project, I don't have to hunt through the book to find an open page. Yeah. 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 So that's, that has uh, saved me a lot of time in just flipping through to update a page when I am working on a project or yeah, whatever.
0: So, okay. So for people who are going to take your idea and put it and implement it. When you start a project, what are the basic set of, of things that you write down for that project?
1: Okay. Uh, name of the project, who the designer is, the cost. You know, if it's a class, I write down the cost for the class. If it's, a, you know, just the chart, I write down the cost. And that's, I do track the cost. Not that I really need that anymore, but I do track it. And then I write down the ground cloth. Uh, so, you know, what count it is, what color it is, mm-hmm. size. And then I list all the threads. I do a start and finish uh, kind of up on in the corner, you know, so I can write down when I started it and then when I finished it. And... That's pretty much it. Okay, so pretty just the the basic
0: factors, the basic yeah. facts of the thing, uh-huh. <clears throat> and then as it goes along, then if you change a stitch or you change a color, mm-hmm. then you make note of that. Yeah. Okay.
1: I've,
0: and and I
1: probably don't. I guess I haven't made a lot of notes about changing stitches, mm-hmm. but. I do make notes if I change the colors.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Especially if I, you know, started out with a bunch of threads that I thought it was going to use and then they didn't work out for whatever reason. And I had to, I have to, you know, find something
0: else. Right. Cause I could also see that, uh, something that would go in that book if particularly if you're a beginner learning, whatever would be if you have problems with a stitch, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some notes about how to do it, or maybe even a copy of a yep. diagram from something that's pasted in there mm-hmm. to uh, remind you, because that could be yep. handy.
1: Or the URL for a YouTube video uh, on how to do the stitch. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can use it for any number of, of things. I mean, I do keep track of the time that I spend stitching. So that's what I, what I, fill up most of the rest of the page with but uh you know you can make any number of comments about the project Mm -hmm. Uh, you know if you find mistakes in the chart yeah you know or uh, i don't you know if you found a way to do something better than (laughs) yep (laughs) uh, you know i don't i don't know
0: yeah no, I can see uh, that's why I'm going to do it because I could see, you know, each project is going to have its own things that you would keep track of. But you know, I, I, I always think about the transfer. So, mm-hmm. okay, I'm doing this same stitch on another project. Oh, I had trouble with this. But I remember the last time I did that, it was, it was you know, project A. Let yep. me go back and see what I said about that. Yeah. hmm
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm
0: or or this particular thread is driving me nuts how did i you know how did I handle it the last time I used it? yeah, yep, yeah
1: yeah, so um, little tips and tricks again that what what you just said reminded me that um I think it was in the cyber pointers December meeting project or maybe it was no, the November meeting. there was a thread in there that and I don't remember which one it was that was people were having trouble with and so somebody commented that they found a glue stick was a useful tool just you know an ordinary glue stick and you just kind of put a little bit of the glue on the end of the thread Mm -hmm. now I've I've heard people use spray check or nail polish or you know any number of things to to uh, stabilize the end of a thread that frays. But I hadn't heard of a glue stick before. A glue stick is an easy thing to put in your bag. It's not going to leak. Right. And you're going to cut a, cut that off so mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about it, um, you know, being in your project. Yeah. So I thought that was a good – so those kinds of things. And you might even do a tip page. Mm-hmm you know, and say for this thread, use some glue on the end of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good tip too. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I thought it was.
0: Yeah. Cause I did that. Uh, I didn't do a, use a glue stick, but I had to do on um a recent sampler. It was the, the starting of the thread was going to be better with a, an away knot. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh Geez, I'm not going to sit here and, I know there's a knot, there's a quilter's knot. I I got to learn how to do that. But, you know, make three or four knots, one on top of the other, so it'll hold in the hole. And I thought, nah, I don't want to do that. I'm just going to get a piece of artist tape. And so I did. I just took a piece of tape and taped a, the thread, you know, a couple inches away from where I was stitching and stitched enough to anchor it and cut it off and didn't have to make knots. So that worked out. But, okay, I have
1: two uh, two suggestions for you for okay. that. Robin makes a slip knot. Oh. And that leaves her with enough thread to weave the tail in if that's the way she decides to end it, you know, to to if if the thread isn't covered by the stitching. Yeah. And oh, I Look at that. I took a oh. class one time and I don't remember who the teacher was. But she said she uses away waste basting. So that's kind of what I do too. So, you know, go a distance away from your, where you're going to stitch and just go up and down two or three times to kind of anchor the thread mm-hmm. and then start and you can stitch over it or you can leave enough of a tail to weave it back in. Yeah. And if you have to hold on to it for the first stitch or two, you know, I, I do that. So I, I don't very often, I don't make knots unless I need tension. Mm-hmm. So if I'm doing pulled work, mm-hmm. then I will do an away waist knot. Yeah. But otherwise I do the basting and sometimes I do a, a slip knot.
0: Hmm, have to try that slip knot. Now, like if I'm like on this gay Ann Rogers piece I'm doing, I had to do uh, a, I know there's a difference between a way and a waist knot, but I forget. Um, Anyway, I had to do them, but I, I wanted a knot because I wanted to be able to pull on that thread. It was Krynick. And, oh, yeah. and you know, I, I knew I'd have to be able to pull. So I did a knot so that I could get the tension I wanted. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, there, I would agree. There's sometimes when you just, you just need a good old fashioned knot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
1: So the waist knot or basting or whatever is usually in line with your stitching so that you can cover it and a way waste knot would be some something that's not in the stitch path that you have to go back and pull out and weave and in, and weave in yeah, later. Yeah, okay.
0: Okay. Yeah, I get them confused all the time. Well, yeah. this was this was one where I I cut it off. Yep. Didn't have to weave it in.
1: Yeah, and I I usually prefer to do that. But with some stitches so some of the Jean Hilton stitches you know you can't can't really do that.
0: No. 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 And, and I use a pin stitch to me is just one of the most valuable starting spots. Definitely. Uh, without a doubt, yeah. I and use that all the time.
1: I use it to change directions too.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: So if you're going to, you know, I don't know, if you're doing a oh, maybe a Byzantine you know where where you're going up and down, uh, and you want your you want the same amount of thread on the back side. Uh, when you go one direction, it happens automatically. When you change direction, then you've got a shorter length on the back. So I'll just do a little pin stitch underneath my Byzantine so that I can change the direction of the thread, so that I get the same amount on the back as on the front.
0: Ah, that's good.
1: So you know that gives you better better tension, and you get the same look right all the way through. You know it, it doesn't it, it's a subtle thing. Uh,
0: but that makes a difference. You know that's the thing can. for me is those little things like that make such uh-huh. a difference over the span of a piece. Yeah.
1: So, obviously, you have to have, to have enough of a, an area that will be covered when you're yeah. going to do this. Uh, but, yeah, it, it uh, sometimes you just need to be able to change the direction of your stitch as you're going along. Yep. And sometimes you can get away with just jumping over, you know, one thread intersection and coming up instead of going, you know, around. Uh, but that sometimes changes the way the stitches lay. Yeah. So you can't always get away with that.
0: Yep. Now, see, that's a good tip because on this Gay Ann Rogers one, there are several places where I need to change the direction, and I want that density of thread on the back. Mm-hmm. And so I've just been starting a new thread.
1: Oh, well, there ah, you Not go.
0: anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Pin stitch to the rescue. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you just need to, you know, pay attention to the direction of your pin stitch so that you get the same tension.
0: Right, right. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. I'm going to note that in my notebook. (laughs) (laughs) On my tips page. Mm
1: -hmm. There you go. Oh, that's a good one.
0: Oh, yep. Because, yeah, I've uh, got in my little art bowl several rather lengthy pieces of thread where I just decided to start a new one, Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And I could have kept using that one, but then when I cut it off and, you know, by the time I start it again, and then I don't really have as much thread as it looks like, so I just start a fresh one, Yeah. You know?
1: Right, right.
0: Yeah. Wastes a lot of thread, which is not something I'm opposed to, but...
1: Well, no, I mean, the thread is, for the most part, one of the most inexpensive things.
0: right. Yeah.
1: Depending upon which thread you're cutting off.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now, people would cringe to see my Oort bowls and what I throw away. Yeah.
1: You know, I do too. I don't, I, that doesn't bother me to, to, um, now I will, I have been known to dig back through my Oort bowl to see if I can, if I've forgotten a stitch, Yeah, you know, or, yep. or heaven forbid. bigot forbid, forgotten to cross a stitch. (laughs) You know, sometimes you just need a little piece of thread. Yep. Oh, yeah.
0: I've done that, too. But
1: uh, I don't keep my orts when my basket is full. I use a little little three inch square basket when it's full. I dump it out.
0: Yeah, I need to do that. You know, I was I was thinking that uh, the bowl that I'm using right now of my little collection here uh, is overflowing And it was last night. Just throw them out. What are you doing? You know, just pitch them. Uh But I don't. So now I have four bowls that are full. Why don't I just throw them away? So after we are done. do you have a
1: wastebasket in your office?
0: I do. So after we're done here, they're getting emptied. All right. I have no idea. (laughs) What do do you
1: have to do? Just turn around and dump it out?
0: Pretty much, yeah. (laughs) It's pathetic. I know. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's all three feet away, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's pretty sad. Yeah. Whatever. The bowls are here. I use them. They're filled. Yeah. Yeah, whatever.
1: They're, they're handy.
0: <laughs> yep. Okay, I'll throw them out right as soon as we're done. I'll, an emptying of the bowls. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not into, you know, a lot of people use those uh, uh, plastic ornament balls and make. Oh, no. Nah. Nah, forget it. Yeah. Just pitch them. Yeah.
1: Oh, and so I was just reading a a blog post before we started about not putting the thread ends out for the birds, for their nests.
0: Oh, yeah, don't do that. Mm-mm.
1: No, that's not no. good for the birds.
0: Nope. That is a bad thing to do. Seems like a great thing to do, but no. Nope, not good.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. you know, the dyes could be bad for the birds. Uh, the right. threads could get tangled up in their feet whatever so yeah don't do that
0: yep and it cuts down on the camouflage in the trees too you know
1: right right
0: yeah shiny shiny krinic (laughs) is not helping the birds hide (laughs) Mm -hmm. just throw them away yep we we need to do that yeah that and of course that gets me back to my uh, um my guys in namibia who save seals from human trash in the ocean.
1: Oh, yeah. And, you
0: know, dispose of stuff properly, and, yeah, giving it to the birds is not, that's not helping. Mm-mm. No. No. But, uh, all those guys, Ocean uh, ocean Namibia, anyway, if people are interested, uh, it's a bunch of guys who uh, um, live, Pelican Point is one area, but anyway, Cape Fur seals that mm-hmm. get tangled in, it's just unbelievable fish line gill net uh Mm -hmm. brims from hats uh you name it you know packing straps you name it and and they grow and these straps won't grow with them and they choke them and kill them and and these guys go out every day and uh, capture these things and uh, cut these
1: this trash
0: off of them and
1: i saw A video of a, I think it was a sea turtle. Same thing. You know, they were, you know, they just kept, I think it was a net that was wrapped around it. And it was, they just kept cutting and cutting and cutting and cutting. And finally they got the whole thing off of of the poor turtle. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's disgusting. And and anybody who uses gill nets, I tell you, if I saw somebody doing, using gill nets, after what I've seen, they do to animals i would probably do things that would put me in jail because yeah all oh, that stuff is disgusting yeah Yeah. um humans yeah <laughs> but yeah those guys are great they mm-hmm. are absolutely great um saving those seals every day it's pretty cool yeah yeah yep um i think well, let's call it right there Oh no, we got oh well, we did we got to do uh underrated overrated. We aren't going to call it right there. Oh, okay. We got to get a couple of underrated overrateds in cuz we didn't do any last week. Um All right. Let's see. Adjustable stretcher bars. Underrated or overrated?
1: Underrated.
0: Yes. By a long shot.
1: Uh, I I use a lot of regular stretcher bars. But for a bigger project, I like the adjustable ones. Yep. Cause I really hate to un untack a canvas and re-tack it. Yeah. I just don't want to do it.
0: Yep. It's a lot of work. It is a work. lot of especially
1: get, yeah. when you've got a really big canvas. Yeah. With as many tacks as I put on. It. <laughs> Yeah, EverTights or the adjuster frames. Yep. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, get them. Yeah, they are worth it. And I've so said this, I... I've said this oh, before, but you know, people say, "Well, yeah, but you know, they're expensive," and yeah, but but you use them forever. Um, right. A lot of people get in their heads that it's a one-use thing. No, use them forever. No. no. You poke tacks in them, and then when when they're one side's all chewed up. Flip it over. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I saw something today that said that you could steam. So. You what? Know, yeah. So I have seen uh, furniture refinishers use a steam iron to steam out little dents in wood. And. Do tell. Really? Apparently. Somebody has used that. Now, I can't imagine that it would really close up a tack hole. But what the furniture refinishers do is the, they get a, a cloth damp and then put a hot iron on top of it. They're not really using the steam from the iron. They're using a damp cloth. And it will—it works amazingly well to raise a dent. Now I don't know if it would work on a finished surface. Hmm. Because most of the ones that I've seen it do it on have already taken the finish off. Yeah. Because the heat. And steam is going to damage the finish. Right. But stretcher bars are not finished. So, Huh. I don't know. But so far, I haven't, I don't think I have any stretcher bars that have so many holes in them. They're not <laughs> usable.
0: Yeah, that's just it. You have to use them an awful lot for an awful long time before, uh
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, before they're uh, useless. Yep. Yeah. Yep. No, I think way underrated. Uh, get those things. Use them. Yeah, they're worth it. But they're more expensive. Yeah, so what? Use it. Yeah, uh-huh. You'll be so much happier. And Well, this Gayon Rogers piece that I'm doing, that's been on stretcher bars, adjustable stretcher bars, for some time. Mm-hmm. And when I got it out, uh, I, like, I like my canvas really tight.
1: Mm-hmm. And it,
0: it was, you know, t- over time it had stretched a little bit. Mm-hmm. I just got the wrench out. Hit all four corners, back in business. Yep. Back in
1: business. Yep. No
0: tacking, no re tacking, no relining up, nothing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Back in business. Yep. Here we go. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause you know, you're going to lose a few tacks because they're going to bend or the, the top is going to pop off or, you know, so then you got to get the new tacks out too. And, yep.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah that whole game with the tacks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Someday there's going to be a tack. And I know I, I bought the, uh people tell me about the heavier duty tacks. I haven't had a chance to use them, but I have two boxes of them now. Yeah. So now that I have two boxes, I hope they work out.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. All right. Corner measuring squares.
1: I love those. I don't know if I'd say they're underrated as much as, People don't know about them.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yep. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. I
1: mean, I probably didn't have one until I started getting stuff from Sassy Jack's and they, she used to put in a, a cardboard one,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, you know, a like a business card one, which I thought was really clever. Yeah. And I, I do have my Stitcher's loyalty club one now that's wood. Oh, you joined too. All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm one of the cool kids now too. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah. One of those comes with your membership. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah, I, cause I do like to start from the top left corner yes. of whatever I'm stitching on if I can. Mm-hmm. So yeah, perfect.
0: Yeah. For those who don't know uh, these little measuring squares are, uh, literally a square, and they will allow you to place, you place them on your canvas and then they will determine where the upper left corner or whatever corner you want to use is that is either two, three, two inches or three inches usually in from the edge. Mm-hmm. And because you want at least two and preferably three inches for framers. So, mm-hmm. And then you, you lay that on there, and that's your starting point. And, and I used
1: to just use a regular ruler, which just means that you have to measure twice. And That's so archaic. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. No. And, and they work. They work great. Yeah. yeah. And yes, you can. You can uh, measure in three inches from each side with a ruler, and it'll work. But I, I now see I'm I'm one of those weird ones where I have to have the center of the canvas marked with thread, and then I measure and I count, like say forty count linen. You know, I'll count to get the top center and put a little thread there, and then I'll count count over to the corner because that's where I always start too. Is is the upper left,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I did that on uh, Beloved, the one that we just started.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then I thought, you yeah, know, I'm just going to check myself with my little square.
1: Mm-hmm. Laid that
0: on there, spot on.
1: Uh huh.
0: Spot on because I, I had cut the linen myself, so I knew it was exactly three inches on all sides.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: um, yep, spot on. And so then it was, you just spent an hour counting and double counting. Why didn't you just lay mm-hmm. it on there and make your mark and go? <laughs> uh huh. So and
1: if you're, you know two or three or five threads off, nobody's going to notice it. Right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the other thing I have to remind myself, who cares if you're, yeah, if you're two ed- threads off, really, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yep. But, uh, and that's, you know, for beginner type people, when you go to the shop to get a project and you're getting your ground cloth and they make this thing ridiculously big because, you know, your projects eight by eight, and you get this 11 or 12 by 12 piece and you go, why am I paying for all this? Well, because finishers need that extra space. So, right. um, yeah. And you right. and you need it to to put it in a frame or whatever you're going to stitch it on, a hoop or whatever. So mm-hmm. um, it's not wasted. It's useful. Mm-hmm. Right. Because right. I, I think for anyone who starts out, that's kind of a shock. What is, you know, I don't need all that. I don't need to pay for all that. Yeah, you do.
1: Yeah. yeah, I've seen a lot of pictures of things that people did not add the extra, and they're going, "Oops, oh, I don't have enough room to put, you know, to finish this.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we could line up a bunch of finishers, and I bet that would be in their top three of complaints is, um, I don't have enough room on the edges to do the job. Yeah,
1: Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yep. you have
1: to have enough to wrap around foam core or you know, whatever you're, you're going to mount the piece of needlework on. Yep. Yep.
0: So don't freak out when the shop says you need a 14 by 14 for an 11 by 11 piece. Cause mm. you do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, actually for a 11 by 11, you'd need uh 17, 17 by 17. Yeah. yeah. Three, three inches on each side. Right.
0: Yeah, that and that's where it really gets. You, you go, what am I gonna do with all this? Yeah, because I'm just doing this little project. Well, yeah, you're gonna use it, and that is, yeah, that's something that's a mistake people make. You, you go, all right, I need three. I need three inches on the side. Well, remember, there are four sides, so you need right. Yeah, you three need six. Yeah,
1: and really, when it comes right down to it you know, when you get it done, that extra three inches do- on each side doesn't look like all that much extra.
0: No, no, no. And it gives you a little slop room, a little slop room if you miscount, but it also is some good doodle space too. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Don't discount that as, as good doodle space on the side. Yeah. You know? If you need to practice a stitch,
1: mm-hmm. that's where you do it.
0: Yep.
1: I, uh, you know, I, I almost never do a doodle canvas or doodle cloth. Uh, and there are times when I should, but, <laughs> it, it, you know, those times I have used the extra space on the canvas and I, I might take it out afterwards, but I might not, you know, cause if it's going to be covered by a mat or whatever, then it doesn't really matter. You can leave it there.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Well, that was uh, uh, Beth here a few weeks ago. She was testing uh, threads for Beloved on the linen she'd selected. Mm -hmm. And she just made little boxes of all the colors on the side. And then she could tell if they were going to stand out or not. And just, yeah, simple. Mm -hmm. Tear it out later. You're good to go. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. One last one, then we're going to wrap it up. Stitching chairs. Underrated mm. or overrated. I, I I'm going to go undervalued. I think
1: yeah,
0: it's it's important depending on where you stitch. But if you can, I think it's important to get a good office chair that offers armrests, and all the adjustable angles, so that you can get a chair it supports
1: you properly. I don't usually use my office chair to right. stitch.
0: I knew you were going to say that because you just sit in your regular chair.
1: I sit in a recliner. Yeah. Sometimes I put my feet up and sometimes they don't, but it is important to have a chair that you can sit in comfortably. Yes. I, you know, I know people that I probably would have done this when I was a y- lot younger and more lumber, you know, who, it with their legs crossed or folded under to the side or whatever and stitch. Um, Can't do that anymore. (laughs) But you know when you um, it's just like reading or using a a device of some sort. You don't want your head bent down at an angle because that does bad things to your neck and your shoulders. Uh, You know, you might want your arms supported. Again, you know, that helps your shoulders. Um, Yeah, whatever's comfortable for you. And get up frequently and walk around.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, supporting the forearms. I learned that uh, in the uh, office world. Supporting the yes. forearms so your pressure is not on your wrists and hands is mm-hmm. so critical. People who have carpal tunnel, it's because your forearms were not supported. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, you've got to think about that. Because even your recliner, I'm sure you have over time, uh, stitching many hours, you have made adjustments so that you can sit there and not cause pain.
1: So, I have one recliner that is one of those stressless recliners. Uh, it has low arms, and I find that I kind of need a pillow under my left arm. Uh huh. To kind of, and, and so if I'm using a hoop or something that I have to hold, I want my elbow supported. Yeah. Yep. If I'm using a frame, I don't need that my new recliner has higher arms on it so that I, I can support my arms on, on the arms of the chair. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Uh,
1: But you know, good seat, good. uh, If you need, you know, a little lumbar support, even a rolled up towel can, can do wonders in a chair uh, behind your back. You know, it's, um, yeah, it's really, really important to have a good, comfortable stitching area.
0: Yeah. No, and, and yeah, you know, I, I knew you used a recliner. Now, see, when I stitch, I have an office chair.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: it's it's one that, yeah, you can adjust all the angles. And I have uh, one armrest higher than the other mm-hmm. because my right hand goes underneath the ground cloth. And so that one is the lower armrest. So, both my forearms are resting on armrests at the appropriate mm-hmm. height mm-hmm. and um and then, yeah, lumbar support. I have the back adjusted just mm-hmm. you know, so I have the support, so I can sit there and not be hunched over and get a crick in the neck and a sore spot mm-hmm. in the back, and all those things, yeah,, mm-hmm. um, yep, yeah, do something to support yourself, yeah right it's um it's worth it. Because it's worth it because you'll stitch longer, you'll stitch better, but over time you won't develop some chronic pain that just won't go away. Right. Yep. Right. And you're so right. Move around, set an alarm, do something that makes you get up and move. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I listened to a uh, podcast, I think it was a TED Radio Hour, they did a um, study with some, I don't know, medical school on uh movement. And they, so they had, anybody could sign up for this. Anybody that listened to the podcast could go onto to the, the website for the study and sign up for the study and participate in it. And so they had groups of people that one group of people was supposed to get up and move every half hour and another group every hour and, you know, Whatever. Some people didn't get up at all. <laughs> and uh, they tracked things like, I don't know, heart rate and a b- whole bunch of other stuff. The best results came from getting up and moving every half hour. That was it, huh? Yeah. But most people couldn't do it for very long. Yeah. Because it's disruptive. Right. You know? and, and it's like, get up and move for like five minutes. So out of half hour, you know, you're disrupted for really more than five minutes because you have to stop what you're doing, you know, get up, move around and then sit back down and then figure out where you were.
0: Mm -hmm. But I think when you're, when you're doing the task, you're more effective. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it, it had lots of positive overall effects on, on health. But I, I, um, I mean, I'm bad about this when I'm stitching, partly because, you know, if I'm using a floor frame, you know, I've got it adjusted and I've got my, (laughs) you know, chart and, and it's just, you don't just stand up and move, you have to move everything, you know, make sure you don't tip over the floor frame. (laughs) So it's a process. It adds, you know, a little bit of extra time to getting up and moving.
0: Right. Right.
1: I don't do it as much as I should.
0: Yeah. Yeah. See, for me, it's just roll back and get up. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Different. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, I think that um, I I am going to be working on some larger pieces that my floor frame won't hold because it only holds from one side, Mm -hmm. and then the other side gets tippy. So, I think I'm going to use my desk to Ah. hold one side of it. In the floor frame the other side so then i will be sitting in my chair and uh so yeah then it'll be like you say just roll back and
0: yeah stand up. yeah no it's uh yeah you gotta move all right we're gonna wrap up but here's your challenge oh okay okay here's your challenge now i uh, susan k williams the chief executive of the royal school when we did the conversation with her a couple weeks ago She shared just as a matter of fact thing that she can switch hands Mm -hmm. and stitch effectively.
1: Yeah, I do too. Do you? Yeah.
0: Can't do it. Tried it. Couldn't do it.
1: So for me, it depends on which side of the canvas on which, whether I'm working on the left side or the right side. If I'm working on the left side, it's easier for my left hand to be underneath. If I'm over on the right side. The right hand goes underneath. Really? Uh-huh.
0: Okay, I'm jealous. I'm even more Maybe jealous Maybe it's the now. other way around. I can't remember. Yeah, either way. But yeah,
1: I can, I can do both.
0: <laughs> can't do it. Nope, tried it. Just a fumbling, bumbling idiot trying it. Yep, wouldn't work. Right hand's got to be underneath all the time. Oh, now yeah. I really got to work at it now. I got it. Now I got it. This is a challenge of the week for sure. <laughs>
1: I, you know, I'm sure that it took me some practice to do because I am not ambidextrous so by any stretch. Yeah. But sometimes it just works better for me to have my left hand underneath. And I'm right-handed.
0: Mm-hmm. See, I'm left-handed.
1: So, and um... normally you have your dominant hand underneath because it's easier with the dominant hand to find the hole, Right.
0: Mm, My dominant hand, hand hand, hand. my left hand is on top.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: So it should be, if I'm left-handed, it should be underneath, huh?
1: Yeah, I think that's the way most people do it, is their dominant hand is underneath, because you can't see where you're going.
0: Yeah. So basically, I'm just a mess.
1: You're just weird.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, now I I really got to, I got to learn now to be able to switch. (laughs) This is... <clears throat> this is much more than a challenge now. It's just um, uh, becoming its borderline mission here. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it. Uh, Deb yeah. Rucker this week, uh, this Sunday. Check it out. Um, Life and Seasons, Nicola Jarvis's book. You're going to want to get that. Uh, that was last Sunday. Um, mm-hmm. Thanks for listening.
1: Bye.